Okay. Before we start the sermon, I'd like to share with you about Advent. Advent. Otherwise known as Christmas. Um, Believe it or not, Advent begins next Sunday. Did you know that? November 27th is the first Sunday of Advent. And so we're going to begin a new series. Today I will conclude our series, One Another, Selfless Living in a Selfish World. We're going to begin a new series on Sunday. The Advent Sermon Series is going to be entitled, God Keeps His Promises. God Keeps His Promises. And there will be five messages. Next week, Jose will begin uh, in the fullness of time, running through Christmas Day. And our, our purpose in doing this series is the following. We, we want to envision you for a God who is faithful as we move into the Advent season, the coming of Christ God was faithful to his promise. What was his promise? To send a savior. He's promised many things, but the promise is, I will redeem you. Right after the fall, right after Adam and Eve sinned, he promised to send a savior. And so we want to highlight that. We do not want Christmas this year to be hijacked by everything else that's not as important. And so to that end, this series is intentional. I'm asking you to be intentional. We have provided some resources for you. The first resource will will arrive next week. Next Sunday is the first Sunday in Advent. And so we're going to provide every family, every single, with this uh, a sheet like this. And it's going to help you do a devotional. And so what the Pino family has done for many, many years now is the following. On, On the first Sunday of Advent, so that's next Sunday, usually in the evening, or sometimes on Monday, because my day off is Monday, and sometimes Sunday I'm busy working, counseling, doing all that stuff, but... Sunday or Monday, we would celebrate Advent. So we would use something like this, a tool like this, that gives us devotionals. And then we'd have an Advent wreath, which is, believe it or not, there's a wreath, okay? Uh, Placed for five candles. The four candles around the edge can have various themes, uh, prophecy, uh, angels, whatever. The fifth candle in the middle would be the, the, the Christ candle, which is lit on Christmas Day, which this year happens to be a Sunday. And uh, so we'd get the kids around, and when we had a trampoline, we went out back and at night, you know, underneath the stars, and we'd put this in the middle. Thankfully, we didn't burn the trampoline down. And, you know, we'd have the kids light the candle, and then we would, I would read Christmas stories. And to that end, uh, I, there's some great resources that I can commend to you. We've got these. One is called Come Now Long Expected Jesus, Nancy Guthrie, edited by Nancy Guthrie. There are, there are articles here by Luther, St. Augustine, J.I. Packer, Charles Spurgeon. Just great little vignettes that you can read on that night. There's a devotional you can do, which this uh, sheet would help you with. And then this is another book by Nancy Guthrie, Let Every Heart Heart Prepare Him Room. Uh, Devotions, family devotions around the dinner table for every day in December, okay? Focused on Christ and his coming. So these these are all resources that we are making available to you. And... um, and um, I just, I just want to speak to everyone here. Let's be intentional, guys, this year. Let's not get to December 26th or 27th, sit back and say, that was exhausting. I never want to do that again. But let's get to those days and let's say, you know what? We created context in our family, whether you're single with a group of people, single mom, dads leading your home. We created a context if nothing else, weekly, where we stopped and we said, we're going to focus on our Savior. 
And um, I believe God will be glorified in that. Something we're going to do in the church is we're going to have an Advent wreath uh, next Sunday, probably about right here, won't be this one, with candles. And, and so we're going to have different families in the church come and light the candle. And then one of the members of the family, if it's a single mom with her children, or maybe a group of singles will come up and do it one Sunday. And as the candle's being lit, we're going to be reading about Christ who is the light of the world. That, these candles represent a growing light. And on that fifth Sunday, on that Christmas Day, that Christ light, so that the light of the world, we're in darkness, and God has been faithful to send the light. Jesus is the light of the world. And so we're going we're gonna to show that. We're going to represent that. So we're excited about the Advent series, and we encourage you as well to participate. Okay. Let's get into our message. Today's message will be out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. This is the final message in our series, One Another, Selfless Living in a Selfish World. One Another, Selfless Living in a Selfish World. And Let me set up for you the series, if I might. This is, this is the final message in the series. Why, why this title for the series? And the message this morning is entitled Selfless Living in a Selfish World. Why this message? Here's the reason why. When God wants to bless his people, he gathers them. You know, when he wants to curse his people, you know what he does? He scatters them. Learn that from, from Israel's story. But when he wants to bless his people, he gathers them. And then he blesses them, and then he deploys them to be a blessing to the world. That's the storyline of the Bible, guys. We are to image God. When God called Abraham, he said, I'm going to make you a blessing to the nations. And Israel's call was to be a blessing and a light to the nations. And they failed in that call until Jesus came. And now Jesus calls a new people under his covenant. And he calls them together to bless them and then deploys them to bless the nations. Now, here's here's what's got to happen. God must transform us in order that we would be willing to be drawn together. Selfish people are not drawn together for one purpose. They're kind of like cats. Now, here's a disclaimer. I've known one cat that isn't like this. His name was Timoteo. He was owned by the Abegs. That cat was really a dog in a cat's body. (laughs) But try gathering cats. You know, cats are not man's best friend. Cats will come. You know when they'll come? When you have something they want. Food, primarily. But it's hard to gather them. It's hard to gather them to be faithful and loyal and to to lay down their agenda. Cats are aloof. They're finicky. That's the whole deal with being a cat. Some Christians are aloof and finicky. They'll come if you have what they want. Thank you very much. Hence the modern church movement. But bring them together. Harness them together. I've never seen cats pulling a sledge. The Iditarod is not 
powered by cats, but by dogs. You know, Timoteo does not fall into this category. Okay. All right. Maybe that's not a helpful illustration, but may this be. Guys, the reason we did the One Another series is because we realized, first of all, it's a miracle that all of you are here. God brought you. And then once God brings you, he wants to brings us together. He wants us to be united. We're going to talk about being united around what? And then he wants to deploy us. And as we looked at this church plant that's happening in January, we realized we must prepare the church, envision the church, why we gather. We do not gather simply to be blessed. Oh, we are blessed. We do not gather because our agenda is served. Our kids get a great youth group. We get great preaching. The church can help counsel me. Those all may be true. We want to do all those things. No, no. We gather together. We lay down our lives. We become selfless people transformed by the gospel because God wants to do something. And to do it, we've all got to pitch in together. And so, and so the purpose was, let's talk about the one another's in Scripture with a, with a focus that only selfless people will gather and only selfless people can be led and only selfless people will, will, will give up their agenda for God's agenda. Let's go. Selfless people give. They serve. They pray. Selfish people don't. So God transform us into a selfless people through the gospel. And so we've walked through that. And what's the number one thing that God does? He gives us the command, love me with all your heart, soul, and mind, but even even more specific, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's impossible unless God first acts upon us and transforms us. So we've looked at love. What does love look like? And we've marched all the way through. What does it mean to give my life to something bigger than me? I love me. Give me. That's how we're born. Little Samuel, I love my little grandson. He's like one in something, right? But, dude, man, all of a sudden, it's all about me. And he's saying no to me. (laughs) Sweet little Samuel. I call him big boy Leroy. I mean, he's a big guy. Well, I didn't teach him that. I could have, but I didn't. It came from within him. It came from within him. So So this last message delivers us to the doorstep of what God wants to do through these last eight, nine weeks we've been preaching this series. It delivers us to the doorstep of what God is doing in history, and that is gathering a people who don't want to be gathered and transforming them by a Savior who came to this earth and lived a selfless life, gave it for us, and then turns around and calls us to do the same. And it's real. And you start living for something bigger than you and loving something more than you love yourself. Someone, it's God and then one another. And God is glorified. And he gathers us to bless us. And we start caring about something other than our own agenda. And so that's what, that's what this message is about this morning. So let's dive into it in Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. Selfless living in a selfish world. Philippians 2, 1 to 11. 
If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Here we go. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. See that, see that unity theme? Philippians is about unity, a church that's a little bit disunited, and Paul is writing them to be united and a partnership for the gospel. Now look at this, verse 3. Do nothing, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, which means then do everything in what follows, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That's impossible apart from the gospel. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Again, impossible apart from the gospel. Have this mind among yourselves. What mind? The one which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, now speaking of this mind, speaking of Christ Jesus, the mind that is now in us if we are converted, truly saved. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. This is God we're talking about here. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, the incarnation, what we celebrate at Christmas, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the gospel. And now here's the gospel mission, verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus Christ, this is discipleship, this is what we preach, we're calling the nations to bow down to Jesus. Every knee, every knee would bow at the name of Jesus. Verse 10. In heaven, on earth, And under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Missions exist, as Piper would say, because worship does not. We should all worship God, but we don't. Jesus came to change that and then commissioned us to go preach his gospel message. So, what is the main point of the message this morning? Here it is. I believe Philippians 2, 1 through 11 is saying one thing. Unite together in Christ for his mission. Unite together in Christ for his mission. Unite in Christ for his mission. Okay, so let me ask you a question. What brings us together? Look around you. We are so different. It's amazing. So what unites us? What brings us together here this morning? I'll tell you what unites us. What unites us is Christ's message and Christ's mission. We are united by Christ, his message and his mission. So let's take a look at his message. Look at verse 1. He's reminding the Philippians... What unites them? This book is about unity. It's about joy. It's about unity. It's talking to people that are kind of fighting a little bit. They're good Christian people. They've got some problems. In chapter 4, we're going to see these two ladies, Yodia and Sintiki. They're fighting. They're leaders in the church. They're ladies that serve in the church. They're having an argument. Paul's saying, listen, I want you to have this partnership and get along for the purpose of the gospel. So look what he does in verse two, verse, chapter 2, verse 1. He reminds them that, that Christ's message, the gospel, unites us. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, what does that encouragement there mean? It means 
what came to us when the gospel was first preached to us. The encouragement is God saving us. Moving on. If there's any comfort from love, that comfort from love is what Christ's love does to comfort us. If there's any participation in the Spirit, what is that participation in the Spirit? This this third expression, this, this third expression of Paul's fourfold basis for his exhortation to the Philippians and to us to unite in Christ for his mission. See, these these are the foundation. This is the foundation upon which Paul is saying unite in Christ for the sake of the mission. The third one, participation in the Spirit. Clearly, that's speaking of regeneration. We've all partaken of the same Spirit. We have fellowship in the Spirit. It is the Spirit who gives us life. See, this kills. This kills that independent Spirit. This kills that... I'm just going to do what I want to do, Pino. If I like that, I'll do it. If I don't like that, I'll do it. I'll come when I want. I'll give if I want. No, no, no. We have one spirit, the Holy Spirit. As it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, there's one spirit. We've been baptized into one body. This unites us. God did this. I didn't do it. It's the unity of the Spirit, Ephesians 4.1, that we're to maintain. We don't create the unity. God called you. Whatever race you are, whatever language you prefer, whatever gender you are, however old you are, however rich or poor you are, God called you, and he unites us together in Jesus' message, the gospel, in Christ himself. He is the message. He's the messenger and the message. And finally, in verse 1, any affection and sympathy. This affection and sympathy is what we experienced in Christ when we became Christians through the preaching of the gospel. Christ's message unites us, folks. It unites unites us. Why? Because it creates in us a desire. It creates in us a desire and a care. We start caring about something more than ourselves. We start caring about the gospel. We start caring about Christ and his mission. I, I was thinking about this and how I could give you an illustration. And, and, you know, what do you really care about is the first question. I mean, the message is unite in Christ for his mission. But underlying that, the presupposition is, is that you care about Christ. And I realize there's some here this morning that really don't. You don't have the same spirit. God hasn't saved you. And I pray for you, and we're going to pray for you before this service is over, that that would change. But, but if he's changed you, if he's given you new life, and you begin to care about what he cares about, you, you come together with other people that care about the same thing. I, I was just thinking... Uh, you know, if you, if you want to judge what you care about, you take a look basically at your time, your treasures, and your talents. And I also put in there what thrills you. So how do you spend your time? Give me your calendar. How do you spend your money? Show me your checkbook. And how do you spend your talents? Where do you bring your A game? Do you bring your A game somewhere else in sort of your B, C, or D game to church? Sort of the slouch in the back, kind of sort of listen or hang out in the hallway game? 
Or do you bring your A game? Hey, there's something happening. I'm going to bring all my intellect, all my business training, all my education, all my talents, everything God's given me. I'm bringing my A game. I'm here. Let's go. That tells me what you care about. My, my sister and her husband, I love them dearly. I'm going to see them in a couple of days. They love Harley Davidsons. They love them. They belong to the Harley Club. Their Harleys are amazing. They got this kit now where it puts the two wheels in the back. I forget what you call that. Like the two wheel in the back kit, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and it's unbelievable. Like the kit costs more than my house. You know, I'm like, whoa. They, they invest their money in what they care about. And they hang out with the Harley Club people. Those are all their best friends. In the summers, they take off and take these month-long drives all over the, the, the nation. They got people that fly their Harleys in from Portugal to do that. Because they care about it. So they hang out with people that care about what they care about. Makes sense. Uh, I, I'm taking my son next week to Gainesville for a Gator game. I know that may shock you. Um, he's a senior in high school, and, and every year, whenever my kids graduate, to bless them on their senior year, I take them to Gainesville. <laughs> to see that fine institution. And guys, guys, seriously, if you've never been to a Gator game... Um, on campus, it is amazing. And it's amazing because this dynamic is working. You have 85,000 people. Now, not all of them, but a lot of them. This is all they care about. My, my, my nephew, whom I love dearly, is one of them. He's a bull gator. He's MBA from Florida, undergrad Florida. He goes to every gator game, home or away. Every weekend, he's gone with his buddies to the gator game. He gets us tickets for this game, so I'm grateful he's going to this one. Um, we, we go walking, tailgating. It's a huge campus. The stadium's on campus. You've got these guys like my age who buy these. They're not even RVs. They're not. Right? These things cost upwards of $300,000 because I checked on, online. <laughs> I was looking into one. No, no, no. And it's not, there's nothing wrong with an RV. There's nothing wrong with getting away from your family. But every single game, they get into that RV on Thursday night, and they drive Friday, and they set up in these huge RV parks, which are fun to walk through. Joe and I have been there before. My daughters have been. I mean, they've got satellite TVs. They've got big screen TVs as large as these screens. They've got the things hanging out. They've got all the drinks, the food. The ladies have the gator earrings, gators all over their body. And, and it, it makes sense. They care about this. So that's where they invest their time, their money, and their talents. And what Paul is saying is, what do you care about? Has Christ's message united you to others, or is it peripheral? Like Miguel said, the message is basically religious traditionalism. Or does it define and mark your life? Christ's message unites us, point two. Christ's mission unites deploys us. So, so it begs the question, has Christ's message united you? Has it united you to God? Do you have that spirit? If you could care less about the church, you might need to go home and ask. Because this is his body. And then that message unites you to God. It unites you to other Christians who, with whom you would never hang out. You would never do anything with these people. Look around. Some of you... We would never hang out. We'd be like beating each other up. But Christ's message unites us to one another. Thanks, buddy. 
Now, point two, why does it unite us? To deploy us. To deploy us. Here's, here's the metaphor. Here's the picture I want to give you. In football, sorry, I tried to find another illustration besides football and military killing people. I just can't. That's who I am. Okay. In football, unique, I think, to football and any other sport, before every play, you huddle. In fact, some teams now do this fast-paced uh, offense, okay, the no-huddle offense. But when they want to huddle, if you watch the quarterback, okay, so you're getting a little extra info here. If he goes like that, he's not trying to, like, mock you or something, you know, say you're whatever. He's going, we're going to huddle on this one. This is a great picture. We're going to huddle. So, so, yeah, God huddles us. He unites us to the message in Christ. But why does he huddle them? Do the guys just sit there in the huddle the whole game? Bro, I feel good, man. Do you feel good? Yeah. We could do it. Yes, we could do it. Oh, right. I know we could do it. Yes, we could do it. What's the play? Here's the play. That's a great play. Yeah, eventually, they break the huddle. They get deployed. They get down into their stances. They all have different jobs to do. And the quarterback gives the cadence, and they're all on cadence. They've taken their agendas, and they've submitted them to the coach, the quarterback, in our case, God, and they're ready to go as a unit to move forward. And that is what God is calling us to do in this text. Look at verse 2. Paul says to them, if this has happened, actually that word if in verse 1 could be since in the Greek, it's assumed. If Christ has united you, him, you to himself through his message, then two, make my joy complete or complete my joy. That's an imperative. It's a command in the Greek. And actually the command is what follows. Because how do you make Paul's joy complete? Well, listen. By being of the same mind. Having the same love. <laughs> Ill lies aren't working there. Being in full accord and of one mind. Same mind, full accord. What is he talking about here? He's talking about the mission. He's saying, you make my joy complete, and because God has inspired Paul, you make God's joy complete, when having been united to Christ and united together because of the message of Christ, now you are united for his mission. Christ's message unites us. Christ's mission deploys us. The, the same mind. It's not just talking about an activity of the intellect, but it's a movement of the will. We're of one mind. It's a movement of my interest, my decision. I'm going to buy that Harley. I'm going to buy the RV. I'm going to go to the Gator game. I'm going to make the uh, reservations on the ticket, uh, airline tickets. It, it, it's that kind of thing. I'm going to give my life to the church. Where can I serve? Same love. It's, it's this love for one another. That's why we did, said one another. Selfless living in a selfish world. And love was the theme. Being in full accord, that being in full accord could really be translated as striving with one mind towards a single goal. And this of one mind, that last of one mind, really it's an orientation towards the gospel and the proclamation of Christ. See, it speaks of the need for the members of the congregation to be gospel-oriented as they relate to and care for one another. Which points back to the first point. See, Paul, he cares about Christ's mission. And he calls us to care about Christ's mission. Are you you willing to be deployed? 
And then what Paul does in verse 3 is he gives you the things that hinder us from being united. Here's what hinders us, folks. Look at verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. That word rivalry could also be translated selfish ambition. It's really someone who's just all about themselves. It's all about me, man. It's the wide receiver that says, I'm not happy that the Broncos are winning because we only pass it four times in a game. I want my passes. I heard that on one of the NFL networks about Tebow and the Broncos these days. I don't care that we're winning. I'm not getting the ball enough. That's selfish ambition. I want to look good. It's about me. And then uh, conceit. The word there, conceit, that's speaking of vanity. Empty pride, empty glory, pretensions. This is our culture. I mean, it's out there and it's in here. It's the water we swim in. It's the air we breathe, especially in South Florida. We are a vain, pretentious, empty pride people. It's what I look like, what I drive. Even though I'm so in debt that tomorrow I may not be driving it anymore. But I look good, man. I look good. And how sad when you compare it to the glory of God. We forfeit the glory of God for that stuff. And then, in the second part of verse 3 and verse 4, he gives us what does promote unity. What does promote unity. Look at that. So if we're, not to do, if we're to do nothing from rivalry or conceit, then we should do everything in the following. Everything should be done in humility. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. See, only true humility, which in stark contrast to self-seeking and vainglory, will allow you to count others more significant than yourselves. Something you might not know, that Philippi was a Roman colony that was particularly susceptible to, to, to sort of social gradations. So a person was regarded or valued according to his social standing. So Paul is saying to the people in this church, listen, don't disqualify a fellow church member on the grounds of your social standing. Rather, show true humility, because that's who you are. Regard others as better than yourself. And not look only on your own interests, but also in the interests of others. Oh, friends, it's the humble mind. The humble mind that cannot exist together with selfishness. Hence, selfless living in a selfish world. The mind transformed by the mind of Christ. We don't have time to go into this because we started a little late on this sermon. But I would have gone into the whole chapter, verses 5 through 8. No time to go into it, study it later. You want to know what mind we have? We have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is ours. By birth, new birth, by creation, new creation. And that mind is the mind that says, I am going to forfeit my privilege as God. He still remains God. He just says, I'm going to empty myself of that privilege. And I'm going to become a man. God became a man. What humility. That's our mind. That's who you really are if you are in Christ and he's in you. 
And then I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to make myself nothing. And I'm going to obey to the point of death and death on a cross. Folks, that's who we are. That's what transforms us. That's the only way we can live this out. And the purpose, what's the purpose for all this? What's what's Christ's mission? We heard it. It's worship. We sang it, that every knee would bow, every tongue confess. It's, It's like Jesus said in the Great Commission, make disciples with the gospel. Christ's message is the, the message is the gospel. The mission is to take the message and make disciples, those who worship God, with the message, with Jesus. And part of that is to plant churches and to build local churches. I believe that's the strategy. So are you willing to be deployed? I, I, I love, I'm thinking of the church plant right now. I, I, I love this metaphor. I was talking with Corey about this. Um, I mentioned to him I was going to use the football huddle analogy. Well, I don't know if you know, Corey was a quarterback in high school, a very good quarterback out in the West Coast and played a year at a small college. And he was saying, you know, Al, I remember. You know Corey, right, those big blue eyes. He just got passionate. And he goes, I, just, I remember being in the huddle. Now, I played offensive line, okay? So I was the guy he was looking at. And I remember when I got in the huddle and we called a play and it was sort of the end of the game. And I remember looking at a guy and saying, Pino, I need you on this play. I need you. I need you on this play. I need you to block that guy. And then I need you to go out. I need you to run this route. I'm not going to throw it to you, but I need you to run that route. And then I need you to go. And we're going we're to do it, guys. I need you. I need you. So that the play, so we can deploy, and the play will succeed, and the team will win. You may not do what you want to do. It may be a little uncomfortable. You may get hurt even. But God's saying, I need you. And as we looked at this church plant, we just felt God saying, I need you. Will you step up? Will you one another one another? For the, for the purpose not just of huddling, but then deploying and going. Listen, we're losing, we're losing some key leaders. We're losing an amazing preacher who's got fire in his bones. You can just tell he's ready to go, can't you? He's just up here, man, praying for people. He's got words from God, and I love it, Jose. And God's filled with him with his spirit, and God's going to build a wonderful church. But we're losing this guy, man. And we're losing, we're losing Lenny, Leslie, guy that helped found the church. I, I was just crying down here thinking, these people have built the church. Yes, Lenny has. He's a leader. He's a home group leader. Losing our worship leader. By the way, the guys up here were great. Yeah, we're losing the guy that led this morning. <laughs> but you know what? We're not losing them. We're not losing them. We're deploying them. And we're deploying them for the mission. But listen, listen to me. Those of you who are staying, I need you. And it's not me. Now, I may be articulating it, but it's not me. It's God. It's God. It's God. I need you to step up. Need you to give. Need you to serve. Need you to bring your friends. God builds his church, but he does it through us. Are you all in? That's what the scripture is saying. He's saying it to the Philippians 2,000 years ago. I believe God is saying it to us today. So how do you know that you're united together? Well, when you start serving and giving, and praying, and believing. 
That's when you know. Just one more thing occurred to me. Um, Two things, actually. We're going to transition to communion. Um, The church plants on the horizon. I I was just thinking another thing that's on the horizon. Uh, You may not know this. It was in the informed. December 16th, we have this thing called Christmas on the Beach. It's a small outreach, but we need you. The info is in the informed. You can read it for yourself. So here's the bottom line. If you don't really care about Christ's mission, as reflected in your attendance and giving and mental thought and dedication and creative juices flowing and enjoyment even, then I believe what God is doing this morning is inviting you to take inventory, to examine your heart in light of God's word, what we just read. And may his spirit bring his truth from this text to you for you to consider and act. And may you have the mind of Christ, what is described from verses 5 and on, and respond in obedience. If you don't care about Christ's mission, it may be because Christ has not united you to himself. Then I want to pray for you in just a moment. For Christ may, may be about to unite you to himself this morning as you've heard the gospel. My fellow Palm Vista members, let us care about what God cares about. Let us demonstrate our unity by giving and serving and praying and exercising faith toward Christ and his mission. 